Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome in, everybody. Final hour of the Wolf and Luke show today. No, this is not Luke, and he is most certainly not Wolf. Mitch Veraldis, Steve Zinsmeister picking up right where Tim Ring and Howard Balzer left off. We've got you for the final hour of Wolf and Luke, and then for one hour of Burns and Gambo. And then next thing you know, it'll be Diamondbacks baseball. I'm saving my voice for the Pantera call-out. Is that happening? Are, I've been told that's happening. Are you prepared right? for it? Okay. <laughs> Never Who are you going to call out if you I were? don't know. You're okay. going to have to stay tuned, I guess. <laughs> We never know. Uh, and then I'm going to have to do a Bernsey impersonation at straight up to a clock, and you're going to do a Gamble impersonation for an hour. It's, I think between the two for of us, an hour, we're going to lose our voices that. after this. All right. That's what it sounds like. That sounds like a plan to me. You know what has been a really, really good plan? Whatever the heck the Diamondbacks are doing right now. Down the pitch. <laughs> Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Take a seat, Luis Arias. Down on strikes. Number seven on the night. And Zach Allen exits the game to a standing ovation here at Chase Field. Marvelous, marvelous effort. 41 and a third scoreless. Now, what Chris Garagiola said there was more meaningful than he realized. He said down on uh, strikes. Urias literally fell to the ground. He literally took a seat. Yeah, he <laughs> took a seat in the batter's box. What Zach Gallon is doing is is nothing short of amazing. And what's interesting about this is that he seems to do it every other year. Or like every year he does something miraculous that we when end up he's talking fully about. fully healthy, too. Right. He looks as healthy as he's ever been as a Diamondback right now. Right now, 41 and a third innings of scoreless baseball. That's ridiculous. I mean, you could play a video game version of the Diamondback season and you wouldn't be able to do this. No. 41 and a third innings with nobody scoring. That's eighth all time in Major League Baseball. Eighth all time. It's actually second... In the own organization, Brandon Webb. He needs one more He's inning to one beat Brandon inning Webb. away. One inning. Can we do that? Can we do one inning? I think he can do in it. In the next start? Who's he facing At next? this point, the question is, is how far can he actually take this? You know? Like... He's at 41 and a third scoreless innings. I believe the record all time is Oral Hershiser's 59. Like, is it time to start having that conversation when it comes to this streak? I think you have to take these things in waves. I think you start with... That one inning you need to get to beat Brandon Webb. And that's going to be pretty cool, too. I'm assuming Webby's he's going to be on the broadcast, so yeah. that'll be a pretty cool moment. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that Webb is supporting Gallon in that effort. So get past that. Uh, then I think we start looking ahead. Yeah, you, I mean, you move up the ranks. I'm sure Gallon doesn't care in the slightest. No, well, actually... He's very aware of the streak that's going on. He talked about it last night. Well, I mean, at this point now, I mean, I'm, I'm right there, so I might as well try and see what the deal is. <laughs> I mean, I feel I think I'm only an inning away, so I might as well, you know, just try. Uh, that would be pretty anticlimactic, though, if, if, if it, you know. But whatever. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like I said with the with this, the other streak that I had, you know, I started my career. It's like if I got there, I earned it. You know, there's some good lineups that we faced. And, yeah, so. Um, but like I said, my, my job's have gone through. So it kind of falls into the, the line of, you know, doing my job. In seven innings, Gallon surrendered three base runners. Two of them hits, one of them a walk, and then seven strikeouts. His ERA has fallen all the way to 242. I believe that I saw on this stretch he has an ERA from like August 2nd. So from the beginning of August to now. His ERA, I believe, is .58. I mean, that's what happens when you don't allow a run for 41 and a third innings, but that is ridiculous. 
ridiculous. Let's say it like it is. He's been the best pitcher in baseball for the last month. At least month. Yeah. Maybe month and a half. He has a chance to make it two months. So I'm looking at, it looks like his projected next start is against the Rockies. And, On the road, And too. their last game, they let off with Charlie Blackman, Daza, and then Iglesias. Do you think he can get through that inning? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's not a bad it. That's a good, if he gets those three guys, that, that's a pretty good inning. That's a pretty good chance he has at breaking that record. So I'm super stoked about Zach Gallen. I, I know that a lot of people still talk about, I even saw uh, Gambo saying something on Twitter yesterday about, uh, and some people still seem to think that the Marlins won that trade. It was a one-for-one deal, Gallen straight up for Jazz Chisholm, who in his own right has been a pretty spectacular player, especially at the position of second base, where yeah. there really isn't a lot to love at second base around the no, league. No, not at all. And Jazz Chisholm's a fascinating player, and when he's healthy, he's great. Can't hit a lefty, but that's okay. And so <laughs> I, my whole thing is everybody talking about who won the trade, whatever, right? As long as the trade works out for you, why does anybody care whether or not you, quote-unquote, won the trade? As long as you love the your end of the deal, why does it matter how good Jazz Chisholm is on the Marlins? Or, now in selfish retrospect... The Diamondbacks won the trade by, like, three miles. Which is crazy because for the first two and a half months of this season, it was starting to become a conversation again. Like, a really in-depth conversation about how, well, Jazz is this generational talent. He's very name-recognizable, and he's endeared a lot of the fans in his city. And he got voted in by the fans to the All-Star Game as their starting second baseman. Cool. Like, at that point, it was pretty much a conversation really in-depth of, like, who actually won this trade. Now here we are, beginning of September, Zach Gallen hasn't allowed a run in 41 and a third innings, and then Diamondbacks have a true ace, and they've basically locked up every other fielding position, mostly except for catcher. Like, they're good. They've they won. I'll say it right now. They've won. And I'm not going to look back on it anymore. Well, and, and even, again, I, I guess I'm kind of repeating myself, but in a way, I'll, I'll just say it a little bit differently. Who cares? I mean, if Jazz Chisholm goes on to go to a couple more All-Star games, uh, maybe he's uh, an MVP caliber player down the road. Who cares? As long as you got Zach Gallen and you like him and he's a front of rotation guy the way he's been for the last two seasons at least. Who cares? You want to look at it this way instead. Are you still going to root for Jazz's success? I'm the kind of guy who usually roots for the guy who leaves town. Yeah. I mean, like, look at Paul Goldschmidt this year. He's going to win the Triple Crown. I'm I'm cheering for that. Paul's different, though. Jazz never played a major league lick for the Diamondbacks. Do you still root for him? Yeah, and maybe I'm different than the average baseball fan because I watch a lot of minor league stuff. I pay attention to who the guys are that are coming up. We're going to talk about one of them here in a second. Yeah. But... I, maybe I pay a little too much attention to that. Therefore, when guys get traded in those prospect for established player deals, which this kind of was, Gallon had been in the league for half a year. He had been pitching uh, really well with the Marlins. Jazz hadn't even seen the majors yet. I don't know if Gallon was necessarily established. Not established. That's it, maybe the wrong word. He wasn't fully established because otherwise, I don't think the Marlins would have traded him for a prospect like Jazz. Remember his first season between Miami and Arizona? I don't remember the exact statistics, so forgive me. But he had a record that he set for most consecutive starts with three or less earned runs. Do you remember that? Something like that, yeah. It was like right at the beginning but of he, his career. He never pitched more than like four innings. They were so careful with his usage when they got him that it was really hard to get excited about what Gallon was going to become. Now, it's not even a question anymore. We're excited, and we know exactly what Zach Gallon is and who Zach Gallon is. 
He's remarkable. He's remarkable. He's your best pitcher. He has been for a couple of seasons now. Uh, as good as Merrill Kelly has been this year, and I think he's been fantastic, you've got a one-two punch that you really got to love on the mound. Now, the problem is the guy that you're paying the most money to on your team, Madison Bumgarner, has been really, really bad. Yeah, let's get right into that for a few seconds because, as you mentioned, top prospect just got called up today by the Diamondbacks. And it is official now. Ryan Nelson is going to start today's game on the road at San Diego a couple hours from now. I was looking at the like the last few starts for the Diamondbacks pitcher. So Mad Bum last pitched on Saturday. So very recently. His best start in a really long time, by right. the way. Right. Which, you know, maybe helps his case this this upcoming month, but for right now, he's still been the biggest question mark of the rotation. They're pushing back both Merrill Kelly and Tommy Henry, and then resultingly Zach Davies. Now with the tinfoil hat on, I'm wondering if they're calling up Ryan Nelson. And they're going to phase Mad Bum out, and Zach Gallen will come back five days later, and he'll be ready to rock and roll against Colorado. They're going to a six-man rotation. Tori said that yesterday in the press conference. So yeah, they'll be they'll be going six-man for the time being. Ryan Nelson is currently ranked by MLB Pipeline as the Diamondbacks' eighth-ranked prospect. Now, some of the guys ahead of him. Uh, are deeper into the minors. Corbin Carroll is still on this list, even though he's in the major league. So you got to take those things with a grain of salt. But I think that at this point in the season, they're starting to try to phase out some of the older guys. And when I say phase out, it's not like Bumgarner is going to be gone next year. He's still going to be here. Well, you're kind of stuck with him right now. I don't now. think you could just straight out cut a guy who's going to be making around $20 million a year. Uh, I don't think that I certainly don't expect them to DFA him or anything like that. Well, I, mean, I don't would, think you could trade could him. Could they do what they did with Yosemite Tomas? He's just a very expensive minor leaguer. You're not sending Madison Bumgarner to the minor leagues. That's not happening. If everything that you've got that's better is younger, more talented, and waiting in the wings, what are you waiting for? I think that would. Uh, I know that it's a what have you done for me lately kind of business, but this guy is a three time World Series champion. He was World Series MVP. Uh, he hasn't been Respectfully, that. Respectfully, that's it, though. I, I know. He hasn't been that lately. It's been years. And, in fact, I would argue that he hasn't been worth the contract that he's gotten here in Arizona. But uh, sending that guy to the minors? I think you'd much quicker try to trade him for nothing than send him to the minors. I don't know. Both of them feel like they result in nothing. I think he'll be back next season. Coming up next, the Arizona Cardinals return to the practice field today, and we'll let you know everything that you need to know about this team as they get ready for week one next here on the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. It's going to be a game-time deal. Um, we'll continue to progress him, and hopefully Wednesday he can do something. Um, and he's a guy that if he even has limited practices, there'll be a role for him, but we'll see how it plays out. Coach Cliff Kingsbury talking about Marcus Golden and how how much he might contribute in week one, honestly. Which it sounds like a lot they of question know. marks. Yeah, that sounds like a game-time decision. Maybe we'll get something done on Wednesday is, I think, what I heard him say there. So they're hoping to have some sort of practice ability for Marcus Golden. There's, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Marcus Golden right now. How so? In the offseason, you lose Chandler Jones. Marcus Golden had a great statistical season last year. There's no doubt about it. He's one of the hardest working dudes on the team. I think you could argue he was, he was the team's best defensive player last year. You could probably argue that. I, I also, and I don't want to put too much of 
his credit on Chandler Jones, but I don't think that he has the sack production that he had last year without Chandler on the other side. So I think they go hand in hand. Yeah. I don't think he's a 10 to 15 sack a year guy without somebody good on the other side. That said, there's been a lot of drama. There's been a lot of weird tweets and stuff around Marcus Golden. Is he unhappy with the situation? Does he want to get paid more? I mean, really, who doesn't want to get paid more, right? He's been a Cardinal twice now. Uh, It's just one of those situations where the biggest headline for the defense in the offseason was losing a player, not necessarily gaining. And in Marcus Golden's case, we're expecting him to pick up a lot of the load that was lost with Chandler Jones. Whether that's fair or not. No, I think it's fair. Because he's the only one that had a majority of the reps that is actually going to be getting a majority of the reps this year, as he did last year. And of course, as you mentioned, the team's leading sack artist for me trying to figure out a word on the fly. But at the same time, because he has the most experience and because the guy opposite of Golden isn't necessarily, you know, for a lot of teams, a massive threat. I mean, I looked at the ESPN depth chart earlier today. They have Dennis Gardeck listed as the opposite linebacker to Marcus Golden. Does that really get your your hopes up or does that worry you if you're an opposing team's coach? Like with with respect to Gardeck, who had that ridiculous streak in what was it, twenty twenty? where he had sack production out the wazoo for the amount of snaps that he got. Can he be trusted to do that for a full season? I don't know. Yeah, Dennis Gardeck, I mean, to your point, he had this torrid stretch where he's got all these sacks. Like, if you if you leveled it out, sacks per uh, snap on the field. Because he's not on the field all that much, to be honest with no. you. But when he is, he's very, very productive in the, in the pass rush game. Now, again, how much of that do you credit to other good pass rushers? Like having Golden on one side, having Chandler Jones on the team. I mean, part of that is has to be factored in. I don't think Gardeck is a pure pass rusher. I don't think he's a one-on-one type player. I think he just takes advantage of the opportunities that he gets. And he gets a lot of mismatches because he had other guys on the field with him. Is he the guy that I want to see opposite Golden all the time? Mm, maybe not. But the other option is you've got two young rookies who you just drafted. Cameron Thomas looked pretty impressive in the third preseason game. MyJ Sanders still Didn't remains to be seen. A whole lot. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. But I think that the outside linebacker slash pass rusher position is probably the one that I'm most concerned about. So defense is a big question. That's not the only position group that is of question. Uh, the Cardinals did make a couple of cornerback moves to address that room, a, a, new, a room that has desperately needed depth help. Cliff Kingsbury talked about Trayvon Mullen, one of the newest Cardinals today. We like the tape. I mean, big athletic corner that can run, um, plays physical, I mean, a lot of things that, that fit what we do and, and want to do. And uh, So I'm very glad that we were able to acquire him when we did. He was also able to provide a, albeit brief, update on Antonio Hamilton. Um, he's getting better and said, what can he do to stay in shape? We're working through that, and we're hoping, you know, walkthroughs here in the near future to keep, you know, the, the mental sharp. We do a bunch of walkthroughs in the indoor, um, but we'll see. I think it's uncharted territory for um, me, and I think for a lot of people around here to see how that's all going to heal up and then the timetable on it. Keyword with Antonio Hamilton, walk. 
We're going to walk through one step at a time. One step at a time. Yeah, it's it's he's right. It's kind of an unprecedented situation. I can't Very. remember the last time that a player got significant burns on their feet. I mean, I remember the Antonio Brown situation, which was like a cryo freeze thing, yeah, which but, was very weird. Yes, very, very Everything weird. with Antonio Brown goes out there's the window. A, there's, there's a lot there. There's yeah. no precedent, even when it's Antonio Brown. Uh, specifically on Mullen, though, ask yourself this, Basinonians. Why would the Raiders be willing to get rid of Mullen? Like, it's not like if he was a perfectly good cornerback and they liked him a lot and they loved the talent that they would just let him out the door for a late round pick. So you have to look at the situation as a whole and be like, okay, why was one team comfortable with letting him go? I understand why the Cardinals like him. They seem, like Cliff said, he liked, they like the tape. He's a good player. It's just that he missed a lot of time last season. And honestly, it looks like he might not be 100% healthy I right mean, now. I mean, could we make that exact same conversation about a lot of the other trades that the Cardinals made? Like, think about last, like what? Think about last year in particular. Were we asking these types of questions when we when the Cardinals, excuse me, acquired Rodney Hudson from the Raiders? Were we asking these types of questions when the Cardinals acquired Zach Ertz from the Eagles? Like, it feels like this year a lot of the trades that the Cardinals are making are making us wonder, okay, why did that team get rid of them rather than, okay, why is this a really good thing for the Cardinals? Yeah. Are we high on Marquise Hollywood-Brown? Or are we wondering why did the Ravens get rid of him? I'm high on on Hollywood Brown. I'm not really wondering why the Ravens. I, I think that relationship, honestly, I just don't think they wanted to pay him. I think that's probably the biggest thing. But with your examples of Rodney Hudson, Rodney Hudson was pro football focus's number one ranked center at the time of the trade. And you gave up, what, a second round pick to get him? Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's and a Mason Cole. That's a significant trade. I'm not wondering why the Raiders. By the way, that was like right after the Raiders. Uh, remember, they had agreed what had happened right before they traded him. They, uh, they, they were going to cut another lineman. Yeah. They were going to cut Rodney Hudson. Yes. And it was even uh, reported that they were cutting Rodney Hudson, and then they didn't. They traded him to the Cardinals for pretty significant value. Uh, what was the other trade you gave me? Zach Ertz. Yes. Zach Ertz is an established tight end in this league, he won a Super Bowl. I, I think that that's a little bit different than trading for a fourth okay. or fifth cornerback okay, who might be on the bubble with the Raiders. Speaking of bubble with the Raiders, the guy that you mentioned, Trayvon Mullen, he met the media for the first time today. Now, for the record, for the open portion that the media was allowed to see, he did not practice. That was what I read. Okay. So he didn't practice, but he did speak. And so he was asked if he'll be ready for week one. Most likely, for the most part, yeah. Just to continue to get better, continue to work. And where does his health stand right now? I'm good. I'm doing pretty good. Um, my recovery came coming along good. Everything's been well. Um, I feel good. I'm feeling good. Just ready to play ball at this point. <laughs> so I then, think what he's trying to say is I, I, I'm ready like I want to play ball. It sounds you're not actually ready. It to sounds play ball. like he's ready, but he wasn't ready enough to practice today. Right. You're not playing ball but in your head you're ready to play ball i i i would love to know the excuse that i don't think we're gonna get it i guess it's better than nothing listen i'm happy to have trayvon mullen i think he's a good player by all intents and purposes he seems to be an nfl caliber cornerback i don't know if he fits on the outside or the inside i I have that question about a lot of the guys that are on this roster somewhere antonio hamilton i was wondering that byron murphy we've talked about is maybe a better inside corner than outside corner Marco Wilson was not exactly looking like he was going to be a starting corner on this team. And now, because of lack of depth, he might have to be. So there's a lot of question marks at that position. Between that and outside linebacker, those are the two big ones that I think everyone should be concerned about. Uh, Speaking of the secondary, though, 
That Jalen Thompson contract extension got us thinking. How would you rank the Cardinals' position groups? We'll do that next. Hi, this is Marcus Golden, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Sets up, gets hit by Golden. The ball is coughed up. Golden picks it up. You can hear him chirping the entire practice, and if he sees somebody that's not bringing the same intensity to a drill, he'll let him know. Playing with a bunch of dogs, man, a bunch of tough guys that just love football. I'm looking forward to bringing that dog mentality back. Guys flying around, making plays. His nickname is Junk. It's Junk, your dog, I guess. Marcus Golden is back. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now. Wow, I'm amped after hearing that. That was great. That's my best Wolf impression. Shaw going on over there. Oh man, that got me amped up. It's we. It. You know what? We should be more amped up. It is week one of the NFL season, Steve. It's here. It's back. Yeah, it feels legit now. It feels legit. I don't know why we take a week off between preseason game number three and regular season Who week one. Say. That makes no sense to me. Everybody needs an early bye week, right? Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister, we're filling in for Wolf and Luke for this final half hour of their show. I'm clearly in for Wolf. And then we'll be around for an hour of Burns and Gambo. And then right after that, Diamondbacks will be on. So it'll be a good day, a good Labor Day. For those of you that are working today, thank you. For those of you that have the day off, enjoy it. It's a great day to have off. So the Cardinals... A lot of position groups. We've obviously talked about the ones that are the best and the ones that are the worst. But what about the ones like in between? Where are the Cardinals position groups on the scale of their own team? And Tyler Drake, our Cardinals writer for ArizonaSports.com, put out his list early this morning of which position groups on the Cardinals are the strongest to the weakest. And I'm sure, Steve, you can guess which one he had as the strongest position group. Yeah, I think a lot of this stems from the conversations you and I were having over the weekend uh, about the Jalen Thompson contract extension. We talked about you could make the argument that the Cardinals have the best safety tandem in all of football. They just might. Uh, Some people would make the case Jalen Thompson is catching up on Buda Baker in terms of talent. We heard from uh, Dave Pash said that he talked to a couple different people, I'm guessing within the organization and maybe outside of it, who say that Jalen Thompson might be the better player if not now maybe yeah. soon um and it's crazy to think that way because it's not a slight on buddha it's it's how good these two safeties are and quite frankly if you're going to have the cornerback room that they currently do you're going to need some good players over the top if your secondary is going to hold up so yeah safety should be the number one position group for the cardinals well so you mentioned cornerback and if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of tyler's <laughs> article yeah. you'll find that 11th out of 11 of the position groups is cornerback yeah. And Tyler writes, Arizona did add depth to the position this past week in Mullen and Gidry, but until we see them in action, the jury's still out as to how much the newcomers will impact the room. And I think a big part of that, and Tyler has mentioned it several times in conversations that we've had with him and conversations that he's had on the station in articles that he's written, is like there is one guaranteed in that cornerback room, and even he, being Byron Murphy, is not a guarantee I think he's a solid player. I don't think he's a number one cornerback. I'm comfortable with him being my number two cornerback. I think he's up for a contract extension probably, and I think that that's something that the Cardinals would like to do. The cornerback room, aside from the obvious lack of depth, I mean, then you add on Antonio Hamilton's freak cooking incident that happened this past week. Right. Uh, So he's going to miss at least four games. You talk about Trayvon Mullen missing practice today. 
Uh, is he still injured? Is that why the Raiders were okay with losing him? Marco That's a Wilson, question mark. I guess, not even playing up to the expectation that the team has set for him. And it's it's not even that for me. It's that the team and the coaching staff has been talking up other guys that Antonio Hamilton was talked about as being a possible number two corner over Marco Wilson. They're calling up and calling out at the same time. It's just, right? I, I don't know how you could feel good about this room. I think that they still need to bring in another veteran. I like the Mullen trade, but here he is not even practicing on day one. I, I'm, I'm curious if he's even healthy. And some of those things take time. I get that. Maybe he'll end up being a good player. I likened it to the Marcus Cooper trade that was made a couple years back where they flipped a late round conditional pick for Marcus Cooper from the Chiefs. Maybe it ends up working out as well as that did because Marcus Cooper that year ended up going to the Pro Bowl. You know, it's funny. Trayvon Mullen met with the media after practice. And like you said, he did not practice, at least in the open portion. But he met with the media afterwards. And Darren Urban, Cardinals writer for the team website, he asked a very interesting question. He asked Trayvon Mullen if he's aware of this being more of a depth filler or does he just look at this as a new opportunity for himself? I just look at it as a new opportunity. Um, I didn't do too much of that, too much research or whatever it is that comes with that part, but I just look at it as a new opportunity. Um, that's, all I, that's all I can say. And like what? He's supposed to come in and say, oh yeah, they just need me for depth. Especially a dude that was, if I'm not mistaken, a top 40 pick? Yeah, he was a high pick. Relatively so, high pick. So clearly he has a lot of own he's got a lot left in him, as he's got least upside he says. for sure. Yeah. He's got a chip on his shoulder. It's like, oh, this team didn't believe in me when they took me this high. I gotta go to this team and prove to them what I'm about. And I hope he does that because this cornerback room desperately needs it. Especially week one against Patrick Mahomes. Oh boy. Yeah, it's it's funny. We're going to get a bit, little bit better of a picture of what the Chiefs look like uh, when we talk with Tim Grunhard, uh, Chiefs uh, legend, coming up in the next hour. But you're facing a team that is widely considered a great passing offense, and you have a lacking of corners. Yeah. And as much as I like these two safeties, like we talked about, it might be the best tandem in the entire NFL. But if I had, for my money, would I rather have two elite safeties or two elite corners? I'm taking two elite corners all day long, and it's the complete opposite here in Arizona. All right, going back to Tyler's article and his list. Do you want to go back towards the top or stay yeah? Take me at to the, the top of the list. All right, so we said safety was number one. Tyler's pick for the second best position group on the Cardinals. You have a guess? I mean, I already know it, but okay. uh, but yeah, you know, go ahead. I was just doing that for dramatic effect. Then quarterbacks. And I think obviously a big part of it, and Tyler mentions it, is you've got a for sure thing in Kyler Murray. And even when you don't have the for sure thing in Kyler Murray, you have a Colt McCoy that went 2-1 and one last year when called upon at a moment's notice. Yeah, it's hard to argue against that. You have a top 5-10 to 10 quarterback in the league in Kyler and then a pretty darn good backup. I'm, I, It's hard to argue against that, but I do actually have another position higher on my list than that. You do? I rank the tight end better than that. I think it's very hard to find three really high upside tight ends. Well, and one not, of them being a veteran leader in Zach Ertz. Right, and not only that, you, you've got Ertz, who's a great, prolific pass catcher in his career, right? Won a Super Bowl, got playoff experience out the wazoo. Then you add Max Williams, who is probably a better run blocker than anything, and can catch the ball pretty effectively. We saw that in the first couple weeks of last season. And you've got 
the best tight end who can do a little bit of both of those things from the last draft, and that's Trey McBride. You have all your bases covered in the tight end room. I think top to bottom, that is probably the better room than the quarterback room. But how can you go wrong there either? It's like it's like two A and two B for me. Kyler Murray alone. Kyler Murray alone outshines the tight end room, man. I, I don't know about that one. I just think the room is deeper in tight end. Like it's hard because at quarterback you only carry one or two, right? But you like also most teams don't do. Don't necessarily know what you have in Trey McBride. You don't know what you have, but I don't think they would have taken him with their first pick in the draft. Or if you're going to count Marquise Hollywood, I don't know what I have, but I know that he's third on my depth chart. If Max Williams plays. And he's supposedly the best tight end that was available in the draft. And, I mean, we all kind of were confused about the pick when it happened, but we're still looking at three guys that we think are pretty solid, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying none of them are, like, sniffing how good Kyler Murray is or how much better Kyler Murray is to maybe some of the average competition. Like, Zach Ertz is great, great veteran, awesome guy on the team, but compared to the mean, Kyler Murray's way above that than Zach Ertz is. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that argument. For me, like, it's hard to rank a quarterback room, right, without just ranking who is your starting quarterback. But for me, like, elite quarterback rooms – I love Baltimore because I think they have two guys who, I mean, obviously Lamar Jackson won an MVP, but I mean, I think that you've got two guys who could be quality, uh, starting caliber quarterbacks in this league. San Francisco has two guys. uh, Trey Lance looks like the one that they're going to end up going with, but we know what we're getting with Jimmy G. Jimmy G does nothing but win in this league. The Cardinals have three starting caliber quarterbacks on the practice squad. They have Trace McSorley. I'm your favorite quarterback. They call me Trace McSorley. Yeah, I don't know about that, but, uh, He's an interesting it was player. A joke. I'll, give, I'll give you that at the least. One final note here as we close out this segment. I'm noticing in Tyler's story, safety is the highest listed defensive group on his list. After safety, every other offensive group is listed, and then all the defensive groups are even under special teams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have another I don't have another defensive group until inside linebackers is my eighth favorite room in the And I mean after special teams. After special teams. And Matt Prater missed quite a few kicks this preseason. Yeah. Easy kicks. I'm still a little leery of that. And the inside linebacker room, it's not like I feel great about it, but at least you have three guys that I feel pretty confident have good talent. But Zayvon Collins is far from a finished product, obviously. Nick Vigil, good veteran, but I don't know how much you're going to see of him. And then Isaiah Simmons, he's kind of, what do they call him, a star backer? Yeah. He's going to kind of be a linebacker, but also maybe a safety, and then maybe cover some receivers. Be everywhere and everyone. Even that room. It's the second best defensive room on my list, and I still don't feel that great about it. Coming up next, has the Pac-12 already been eliminated from the college football playoff? Probably. (laughs) Or do they have a savior? Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister, filling in here on the Wolf and Luke Show. Burns and Gambo, afternoons, 2 till 6. Antonio Hamilton wasn't there in Nashville. Very brief sound bites from Cliff Kingsbury. Still being evaluated right now. We'll let you know we've won when we have to. Let's play the private message between Cliff and Steve Kime. No, yeah. Steve, it's Cliff. Will you trade a pick for a quarterback, please? Like now, right away. Hurry. Come on. Let's go, Steve. Steve, let's go. Stop hanging out with Blake Shelton. Let's get a cornerback in here, Steve. Steve, cornerback, please. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons, 2 till 6. 98.7 FM. Arizona's sport. 
Sports Station. Hey, this is Ron Wolfley from my brothers at Santan Ford. Man, Tim Hovick is a good buddy of mine. I've known him for almost two decades, and he is the owner-operator of Santan Ford. He is a pro's pro. He's the reason why you should go to Santan Ford. Nobody's going to give you a better deal on a new or pre-owned Ford, and nobody is going to give you better service on your new or pre-owned vehicle than Tim Hovick and Santan Ford. That's why Santan Ford is the number 10 Ford dealership in the world. They give you the best deals and the best service on all the Fords that you love. Number 10, ask yourself this, Basin audience. How do you get to be number 10 in the world? Well, you're one of the very best at delivering for your customers, and that's exactly what Santan Ford is all about. Go to SantanFord.com for more information. What do you love? The Ford F-150? That's my ride. The Ford Expedition? That's what the Warrior Queen drives. We're a Ford family, and it's one of the big reasons I say, with certitude, I am Santan Ford. Go to SantanFord.com. That's SantanFord.com. Who wants to think about trash? We do. We are Waste Connections of Arizona, an industry leader in waste services and your neighbor. Consider Waste Connections of Arizona for your disposable needs. Visit WCofAZ.com today. Waste Connections of Arizona. Let us take care of the mess. As the owner of Precision Air and Plumbing, people ask me all the time, Eric, why should we hire you over the other guys? Does it really make a difference? It does. After serving my country in the United States Marine Corps, I've learned that there's no substitution for doing things right the first time. We put people before profits and simply outwork the competition. Our reputation speaks for itself, and that's why we're the number one ranked AC company in the state. Call 602-FIX-MY-AC today. You'll be glad you did. You have my word on it. This is Aaron Worby, host of the Bulls and the Bears radio show. In the show, we teach the tools, rules, and strategies that professionals use to outperform in the market. Having those skills has never been more important than it is in our current economy. These are times when history teaches us that the masses are impoverished, while the few that make the right moves gain generational-type wealth. At Online Trading Academy, we teach people just like you how to make the same moves at the same time as the Wall Street elites. And right now, we have an end-of-summer special. Join us for an intensive three-day market timing course covering the best of the trading and investing strategies of our time. Text us now and register for the course at 66% off the normal $299 price. Text $99 to 25029 and get this class for just $99. Again, that's the phrase $99 to 25029. Know the signs of low T? Low sexual desire, low energy, fatigue. It can be natural as we get older. Vital for Men has helped thousands of men across the valley get their energy back. Not just to feel better, it's vital for husbands, dads, coaches, and men to feel their best every day and perform their best at work and home. Find out how TRT can help your energy, muscle mass, and make lifestyle changes that last. We are Vital for Men. New patients receive a free test that is vital for you. Visit vital4men.com. You're the one who protects the flock, and that requires an eye for detail. Because when safety and well-being are on the line, it's the details that can save lives. Even when no one else is watching, you see everything. Granger gets you, and we're here for you. And all the ones who get it done with a wide range of safety products and solutions. Plus board-certified safety consultants here to answer your questions. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah. 
Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Vareldis with you this afternoon. Thanks so much for spending part of your Labor Day with us. The college football playoff is expanding. We learned this late last week. We talked about it a little bit over the weekend, Mitch, that the new format is going to be 12 teams. Six of them will be conference champions, which means that the Pac-12, or whatever the Pac-12 looks like in a couple of years... Nah, it'll be too late. It'll be too late. <laughs> they will have a an automatic bid into the college football playoff, which might be the only way the Pac-12 is going to get into the college football Gosh, seriously. playoff. Seriously, this was a terrible opening weekend for the Pac-12 teams vying for an actual spot. The only one who gets a saving grace is USC because they had the easiest game to play. Oregon getting walloped on the road against Georgia... And then Florida coming back and beating Utah basically writes off the Pac-12 already in week one. With like one of the craziest pump fakes I've ever seen from the Florida quarterback. I don't know his name, but he's wearing number 15, so let's just call him Tebow. Um, And I think that the Pac-12 gets unfairly judged in week one of the season based on what Oregon and Utah do in their non-conference games. And I say that because normally Oregon schedules a pretty good game in the first couple of weeks. I mean, heck, they played which, which, Ohio like they need State to, last Because year. if they're going to be taken seriously as a team to these other voters, they need to play top-tier competition. I mean, they beat Ohio State last year. Granted, that was with Mario Cristobal, but it, it's a new year, and you schedule these out well before you know that he's going to leave, and they looked miserable. Well, they played the best team in the country, too. But they in still, my opinion. But they Georgia. still looked like they didn't belong. Which is what kills me. That's what the Pac-12 does. Have you not seen them play a bowl game in the last couple of years? They just don't win. They've made a bowl game? The Pac-12 doesn't win against other conferences. The the superiority of the SEC and the Big Ten, and I would even argue the Big 12 over the Pac-12, is ridiculous. Stuart Mandel basically ripped into them today in his athletic piece, his final thoughts. It was titled, The Pac-12 Can't Get to the Expanded CFP Soon Enough After SEC Domination. Here was his closing line. Per a graphic during the ESPN broadcast, the Pac-12 is now 1-8 against, against in its last nine Week 1 games against SEC opponents, despite having a ranked team in all but two of them. Hard to imagine why the conference is currently in crisis, and I couldn't agree more. I, it, and listen, any good team that the Pac-12 currently has, they're trying desperately to keep within this conference. I mean, the expansion was talked about like it might not be till 2026, which sounds like it's forever away. But yeah. a lot of that is just... It can't come uh, soon enough, apparently. Well, a lot of it is still scheduling, right? you got to figure out where you're going to play those college football playoff games. you got to figure out hotels and all that situation and what cities are going to host. All of that needs to be bid on. But let's say it even happens as early as 2024. I don't know what the Pac-12 looks like in 2024. Does Oregon jump ship? Does Washington jump ship? Do even ASU and U of A leave for the Big 12? Will we even have a Pac-12 in 2024? I don't know. I, I assume there will be a conference of some sort, but at that time, will they even be worth getting an automatic bid for the playoff? Are they currently even worth an automatic bid to the playoff? Because right now, the way that it looks like it's going to be scheduled out is they're going to have a top six seed in the college football playoff, mm-hmm. whoever wins the conference. But if you went... 1-12 to 12 solely based on at-large, what are the best teams in the league? I don't know that the Pac-12 even gets in the top 10 any individual year. I mean, there's just not a lot left to love, especially once UCLA and USC are gone for the Big Ten. This, the Pac-12 is really in trouble, man. 
It's, and I mean, the the part that sucks is us as ASU fans, or if you're out there listening and you're a U of A fan, your team's won this past weekend. Washington won this past weekend. Like those are three teams that maybe, just maybe, that could surprise the experts more so Washington than any of the others. But it it every everything is dependent on the teams ahead of you and how the experts look at the teams ahead of you. And this weekend was just miserable in that defense. I thought, at least from U of A's perspective, beating San Diego State is a pretty good win. I know they're not a ranked team or anything, and but U of A's won like one game in the last two seasons. So uh, any win for them was going to be awesome. I think that's a pretty good win for them. For ASU, beating up on NAU means almost nothing to me. I mean, that's a week one, just kind of like sparring match just to kind of get warmed up for the rest of the season so i'm not going to throw too much credit at asu but at least if you're going to win you'd rather win by 37 so i'm cool with it we got a few seconds left did you watch lsu fsu last night i watched parts of it uh seeing Jaden daniels in a tigers uniform was kind of weird it was a little weird i will say Jaden daniels looked miserable in the first half in the second half and more specifically the fourth quarter he really took care of business and kept lsu in it but you know Am I lying if I was saying I was rooting against him? I was pretty hard rooting against him. That's going to do it for the Wolf and Luke show today. Coming up next, one hour of Burns and Gambo. And then the Arizona Diamondbacks to keep you company on this Labor Day. That'll do it for now. We'll be back right after this on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.